This is the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 102. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm your host, Monica Louie, and today I've got another incredible interview heading your way. You are going to love this. I've got something for everyone in this interview, whether you're a blogger, a course creator, or you're just trying to grow your business while making the space for the other things in life, like health, family, and more. This episode is for you. But first, if you are new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served more than 1,200 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And a lot has changed recently with the rollout of Apple's iOS 14.5 update in the world of Facebook ads. And we are sharing all that's changing in my weekly newsletter, which you can join at monicalouie.com slash guide. And you'll also get my free Facebook ad starter kit as a little bonus from me to you. So let's dive into today's interview. My guest today is the incredible Kate Kordsmeyer. She is a writer, educator, and creative entrepreneur. And she lives in Atlanta with her husband, kids, and their three fur babies, For nearly a decade, she was a full-time freelance journalist for over 125 magazines, newspapers, and websites, and she's also the author of a cookbook. And as you'll hear, in 2015, she created Root and Revel, a holistic wellness blog with a focus on true mind, body, soul, health. It turned into an incredibly profitable six-figure business, which led to the creation of her program, the Six-Figure Blog Academy. And we dove deep into Kate's background and her story and her journey through growing her blog and now her new brand, katecordsmeyer.com. She also is the host of the Success with Soul podcast that I've had the honor to be a guest on. And in this interview with Kate, I took so many incredible notes. She has such a unique story and really shared a lot of the advice and tips that's going to help you go to the next level in your business. So just a sampling of what we spoke about in this interview is the one thing that sets successful entrepreneurs apart from those who struggle to gain traction Kate shares the unique way she grew her blog traffic. And I had actually never heard this strategy before, but I was so impressed and I think more people should do it. Kate shares how to make the most of your affiliate marketing strategies that most bloggers don't understand, what she learned from a failed launch that helped her have a six-figure launch just a few months later, and we nerd out about her automated email funnel strategy that brings in fifty dollars to $60,000 per month for just one program and a whole lot more. This was such a fun interview. It was so great to connect with Kate and bring her to you. And at the end, she shares a couple really great resources. So I just want to make sure that you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 102. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 102. All right, here is my interview with the lovely Kate Kordsmeyer from katekordsmeyer.com. Hey, Kate, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. It is so nice to chat with you again. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, I love it. And it's so fun when we can like go on each other's shows. It It was so fun having you on mine. And so I love being able to return the favor. Yes, so fun. So I would love, first of all, for you to share who you are and what you do today. And then I'd love to dive into your history and becoming an entrepreneur and the now multiple businesses that you've built online. I'd love to explore all of it. 
Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, let's see. I went to journalism school and always wanted to be a writer. And when I graduated, I got caught up in the frenzy of all of my friends getting real jobs and, you know, having health insurance and my freelance dreams kind of got put on the back burner and I got a job as a corporate copywriter. And I lasted all of four months in corporate America before I just had to get out of there. And I started my freelance business then. So that was back in 2010 when we were just kind of coming out of the recession and everyone thought I was absolutely crazy to leave a stable job, but I just knew that it was not for me. So I started freelancing and I was a a food and travel writer for about the next eight years. It was my full-time job and it was amazing. I was like the best way I could have imagined spending my twenties getting paid to eat around the world. And it was awesome, but I started kind of craving something new and different and a little bit slower paced, at least in terms of travel schedules towards the end of my 20s. And I moved back to Atlanta from Washington, DC. And there was a little bit of a different media landscape here. And I started having some health issues and got married and bought a house and just was kind of ready to settle down a bit. So I started looking at what I could do next. And I was reading income reports from people like Pat Flynn and Pinch of Yum and was like, wait a second, this food blogger is making like over $30,000 a month blogging about food, which is what I do for, you know, magazines, but they're making a heck of a lot more money than I am doing it. And so I started exploring the blogging world a bit and ended up launching my own blog called Root and Revel at the end of 2015. And I just loved it so much. And it was so much better than self-employed life, even though freelance, you know, it's the in both cases I was self-employed, but I actually felt like I was in the driver's seat more when it was my own business rather than having to report to a bunch of editors. So I really loved it and was able to turn that into a six-figure business in a couple of years. And people started asking me, how are you doing this? How are you making money blogging? And so I launched a course called the Six-Figure Blog Academy to teach people how to do exactly that. And then that kind of like butted off into its own thing too. And so now I have a a second business that's kind of my personal brand, Kate Kordsmeyer. And I've got several different courses and coaching programs and things in the online entrepreneurship space. So that's kind of brings us to present day. I love it. Okay. Such a journey. So you, it sounds like you started off wanting the freelance career, but you're like, I'm going to go the the safe route and corporate. And then mm-hmm. you quickly realized that that wasn't the gig for you. Like so, nothing is worth this. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what made you look for, like want to have an interest in the freelance side of things and, and being in the driver's seat of being a freelance writer and finding your own gigs and all of that rather than the corporate. That's just so backwards, at least from, from what, you know, how I was raised. I thought that I was going to be in corporate life until I realized later that was not for me. But anyway, I'm just curious, you know, yeah. have you thought about like what kind of led you to want to be a freelance writer early yeah. on? Such a good question. I feel like I tell my story on, you know, a lot of different podcasts and stuff and nobody's ever asked me that part. So I love that you're thinking that that way. I think part of it was both of my parents are entrepreneurs. So I definitely have that entrepreneur gene in me. And then what really happened to seal the deal was that when I was in journalism school, this freelance journalist came to speak to one of my classes And I just thought like her life just sounded so glamorous and amazing. And I loved that she was her own boss and she was building this business. And so she actually, I went to university of Georgia and she lived in Athens. And so I asked her if I could intern for her for free and she said, yes. And so I started interning with her and kind of learning how she was doing this. And then I had a teacher who used to be the editor at Paste Magazine, which was this really popular music magazine. And he actually taught a magazine journalism class. And one of our homework assignments was to pitch a real magazine, a freelance idea. And I did it. I actually ended up pitching a national magazine and they said yes. And they paid me $1,500 to write this one story. And that was more than I had made in like two years of working at Starbucks. So I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like 
I love coming up with ideas. I'm not really afraid to pitch and I'm getting paid like really well for doing work that I love. So I started dipping my toe more into the freelance pool and I just loved it. And so I just, I think when I graduated, like I said, everybody else was getting like full-time jobs somewhere. And I just, I think I kind of got scared feeling like, well, what if I can't like piecemeal together enough assignments to actually make a full-time living? Like I've gotten, you know, some things here and there. So I think I just got scared and went corporate. I see. Okay. So, but you had, you had the inspiration of your parents as entrepreneurs that entrepreneur life didn't seem as scary probably to you as somebody like me who I grew up not knowing any entrepreneurs. Yeah. So you had that. And then you also had this internship where you were taught a lot and saw that it was definitely a viable way to, to make a living. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think once I saw that people were actually doing this because they didn't teach us that in school, in school, it was all about, you get a job at a newspaper or a magazine, you know, you're probably going to get paid like $30,000 a year and that's your only option. And so I didn't realize it was even on the table until I met this woman and was like, wow, she has this great business and she's doing it all on her own terms. So I really liked, yeah, I think seeing that was very inspirational. Very cool. Okay. So then you ended up following the freelance career, but then you started to, or you launched a blog after seeing that there were people making, you know, good money on the internet with blogging, Mm -hmm. which is similar to what you were doing, but then it put you more in the driver's seat. So can you talk a little bit more about like what drew you more to blogging as opposed to continuing the freelance? Did you see it that as more like a longer term path? What was your thinking around that? Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, there were a lot of things happening in my personal life that was making me look for kind of a change. And one of the things was that as we know, print media has been dying for quite a long time. And so a lot of the assignments that I used to get had just completely dried up. Like they didn't exist anymore. The magazines had folded or like one of my top clients, one of the magazines I loved writing for, I used to get paid $2,000 per story that I wrote for them. They came to me and said, we've had to make some changes and now we're going to pay $200 for the exact same story, like the same amount of work on my part and everything. And I was just like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if there's like a viable career in here anymore. Like this is, so I was, it was definitely out of part of it at least was out of like, I don't know if I could keep going in this freelance world as I was, I feel like it's changing too much and I don't really want to keep up with it anymore. So with blogging again, like one of the main things I realized was I also would get frustrated sometimes as a freelancer, like you really don't have a lot of control over what happens with the story. I mean, first you have to convince an editor that this is a story worth writing. And a lot of, I mean, most of my pitches got rejected. So I was always like, I want to write a story about this. And editors are, no, we don't want that. So that was tough. And then even if they did pick up the story, then when it got published, sometimes they would edit it in a way that was like, no, that wasn't what I wanted to say, or that wasn't the point, or, you know, they misquote somebody or something. And then there's nothing I could do about it. Once I turned in my word doc, that was it for me. I I didn't have anything to do with the production process. So it was just frustrating to feel this lack of control. And when I started blogging, it was like, Hey, I get to make all the decisions. If I want to write a story about this, I can write a story about this and nobody else is editing me or like kind of tampering or dampering my, what's the word I'm looking for? Like dampening my, my passion. Right. Okay. So then you launched the blog and so many, I mean, I was certainly inspired by Pat Flynn. He's a huge inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. And he's been a huge mentor for me for so many years now. And seeing the income reports and believing like, oh my gosh, it is possible. Real people like you and me uh, can create viable business on the internet. Um, so I started the, down the blogging path myself initially. And so I'm just curious, looking back, what do you think? Because I know there, I've known so many bloggers over the years and I've you know known a lot of blogs to like kind of be continuing along here and there, but not really having that fast path to growth and to, you know, being a viable business as far as like revenue wise, like you did. So what do you think set you apart from those others that are like you and me, you know, trying to make a name for themselves in the blogging world, but you, you know, shot to success within a a couple of years? 
Well, it's funny. I, I mean, at the time it felt like snail's pace growth. Right. And it was just like, oh my God, this is taking so long. And I think I can go over some of the strategies that I think specifically ended up moving the needle most for me. But honestly, I think one of the main reasons like what separates me and other successful bloggers from those who don't make it is that I didn't give up. And that sounds really cheesy, but you know, around the one year mark, especially you get to this point where you're like, all right, I've been doing this for a year. And if you don't have a lot to show for it in terms of income, it can be hard to justify keeping going. But I was looking at those mentors and they all were just saying like, if you just get over that hurdle, like you get the snowball effect starts happening. And the first year that, that milestone is like the very hardest and most blogs fail because they, they can't push past it. They just decide like, this is too hard. It's not working. I'm going to quit. And I just was like, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I've got to give it more time because I really believe that this is possible for me. And, you know, but that in that first year, I only made like $6,500 from my blog. So I had, you know, a little bit of proof of concept, but it wasn't like, great, I can stop freelancing and just do this. Like there, I still, I couldn't pay my bills with that. So I kept going and it was true. There was this snowball effect that started happening, particularly when I started like narrowing my focus to be on just a couple of things rather than trying to do all the things. And I feel like that made the difference. And so in my second year, I made about 75,000 and then by like year, you know, two and a half years in, I was making over 150,000. So it was like exponential growth after that first year. That is so great to hear because I think that a lot of people do get discouraged where, and, and it could be from, you know, family and friends who are like, what are you doing and spending uh-huh. all your time on the internet? I know I definitely got that kind of vibes too from yeah. people who didn't really understand what, what I was doing or what I was trying to create. And so where did, where did your revenue first come from? So in that first year, 6,500, what did that breakdown look like? It was mostly from ads and sponsors. And I, so I immediately put ads up on my site from day one. I very much went into it as like, this is a business decision. So it wasn't like I was just a hobby blogger, just kind of seeing what happened. I knew I wanted to make it into a business. So I really treated it as such from the beginning, which I also think is one of the big differences. I especially see even some of the students in my own program who like, obviously are willing to invest in themselves and their business, but then they still don't really show up like they're running a business for their blogs. And I do think that makes a big difference in the kind of growth and impact you'll see, but mostly, so I put ads up on day one and I mean, but you know, I was making like, Oh, I made $3 this month. How exciting. And, but then again, like it, it started growing and the more traffic I got, the more I started making from ads and I think after I got to like 10,000 page views a month, I started pitching sponsors and just started really small was just like, how about doing a post for a hundred dollars or $200? And I ended up going on this retreat because I was still doing freelance journalism. And so I was invited on this kind of press trip to Napa where there were all these brands that were wanting to meet with journalists who wrote for like a lot of the women's magazines and food magazines and stuff. And so I was there and I met a bunch of these brands and I was like, look, I also have this opportunity where you can partner with me on the blog. And a lot of them took me up on it. And so I just started small. And then after that first year, when I was like, okay, this is kind of working, but it's, you know, it's slow and I'm not really making enough from this. I really started focusing on affiliate marketing. And that is when I feel like things really took off. So where were your traffic sources coming from at that early stage? And then how did that grow? What were your strategies around growing your traffic? I'm curious about diving into that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think overall, most of my traffic has always come from either Google or Pinterest. So I've really prioritized SEO and just optimizing for different search engines, which I'm sure you've talked about before, but I very much believe Pinterest is a search engine and just like Google. And so most of my traffic, those have always been my top two sources. Of course, it took a while to start ranking on Google, but in the early days, I feel like it was a lot of maybe word of mouth, my friends telling their friends or 
you know, I was talking about health issues. I have PCOS and that was a big focus on the blog. So I think that made it easy for people to share because if they had PCOS or they knew somebody that did, they'd be like, Oh, my friend Kate has this blog. So some word of mouth, but honestly, that was probably really small amount of traffic. I did things like in the very early days, I'm trying to think, cause now this is like six years ago. I'm like, what was I, where was I getting a lot of traffic from? One thing I prioritized in kind of around the year mark, I started focusing on this. And this is where I think having a journalism and media background helped me a bit is that I started focusing on PR and I started pitching my blog to be featured in different media outlets and things like that. And I think most bloggers would, would not think to pitch themselves, but because I knew how to pitch and I knew what magazines were looking for, I tried doing that. And that really helped grow the blog a lot as well. That is really cool. That's a really good idea that I don't hear a lot about. I know for like influencers and, you know, personal brands, that is a big focus of PR and pitching, you know, for interviews and quotes and things like that. But for your blog, for the brand to be included, I think that's super smart. Yeah. Like one of the ways I would do it just to give you an example, because I wasn't, sometimes I was pitching like, hi, I'm Kate Kordsmeyer, the founder of this site. And I would, you know, could speak on various subjects if you need an expert interview or something, but more so what I focused on was like, okay, a lot of these websites do roundups of recipes. So mother's day is coming up. They're going to do recipe roundups for mother's day. I have recipes that could fit that. So I'm going to say, if you need any recipes for your mother's day roundups, here's a link to some recipes that fit from our site. You have full permission to use our photos. If you link back to the blog, et cetera. And that was really helpful. That's a really great strategy. Okay. That I love that. So going back to the affiliate marketing. So again, I know I come from the blogging space and originally I know a lot of bloggers and I know a lot of people who try and have success with affiliate marketing with their blog, but I feel like there are some that really like get that figured out and then their blog revenue takes off. And then there are others that have a harder time with figuring out how to make affiliate marketing work for them. So mm-hmm. what are the big mistakes? What are you seeing work well with affiliate marketing? The biggest mistake I see, and I see it all the time with my students, even though I give them the, the strategy, they all want to just go to Amazon and just put a few Amazon affiliate links and a couple blog posts, and then they expect to make millions of dollars. And that is just not the strategy that I would recommend. I have yet to see anybody have real success with that. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but my strategy is much more about partnering directly with the brand and then developing a relationship with them and doing lots of different promotions with them across some of your different channels with your blog. So for example, one of our top affiliates is this meat delivery service. And so I did a blog post where I just reviewed the product and I did like a video unboxing of it. I did a blog post where I compared various meat delivery services and ended up being affiliate partners for a lot of those brands and just comparing the differences between them, helping people figure out which one was right for them. I would, you know, send monthly promotions to my email list of like ButcherBox is one of the brands. So ButcherBox is having a sale and you get free ground beef for life if you join with my link right now. So like hitting them up on email, you know, people have to see things they say like at least seven times for them to take action. So it was covering all my bases and trying lots of different ways and different techniques for talking about these affiliate partners. And that's when I started seeing much more growth was when I was doing that instead of just like randomly doing a couple Amazon links here and there. Okay. That's really good because I mean, you were creating really helpful content. I mean, I can see myself searching what is the best meat delivery service or how to make meal prep easier, right? Right. And having some of your posts that you mentioned come up as a resource for me. And then of course, if you're helping me weigh the pros and cons, then I'm, that'll help me make a decision. And most likely if you're helping me make a decision, I'm going to click through on your link. So what I've always wondered about is with, you know, there's the affiliate relationship where you are linking into your own post, but then there's the sponsored post relationship. And so how do you kind of toe that line? Because I can, for me, I feel like 
Some of it could be, I'm doing all this work. I should pitch myself maybe for a sponsorship with them. Or how do you know where it's best to just have them like be an affiliate for them or where it's best to pitch that sponsorship partnership or what is your take on that? Yeah. Great question. Some of my best partners have been brands where I'm able to do both with them. And so I'll usually start as an affiliate. And then if we're doing really well, then sometimes we can come up with agreements where it's like, okay, we're going to do a big push for something that they have coming up. And they're also going to give me an upfront flat fee to do this big push. And I'll still get to earn my affiliate commissions from it. But Sometimes that's not possible. There's definitely brands that have been like, well, no, if you get to use your affiliate links, then we're not going to pay for the sponsorship. And I think you just have to kind of figure out what works for you and what your goals are. I did focus on sponsored content a lot in the first two years, and I've totally shifted my focus now. I think it can be like a great compliment, but it's affiliate marketing is so passive. You know, you set up the blog post once and then it can earn for years. Whereas a sponsored post, like the post can live on for years, but if it's not monetized with affiliate links and you just got one upfront payment of like, let's say a thousand dollars, I earn thousands of dollars every month from some of my top affiliates. So I think if given the choice, I would always choose affiliate over sponsored in terms of the relationship. But in some cases when you can do both, it can be a really good balance. So interesting. I find this all so fascinating. Mm -hmm. So So as you've grown and then you started, you launched Six Figure Blog Academy and you have your Kate Korsmeyer brand as well. So when did that, when did you launch that? Okay. So in 2018, I had my first baby and I was right around that time. I was like, I'm going to start, I'm going to launch an online course. And at first I thought I was going to do an online course about PCOS and do it under the Root and Revel brand. But I ended up taking B school and going through like a lot of the journal exercises and things in there. And by the end of it, I was like, no, actually, I think my passion is more in talk. I had been talking to a lot of people about how to make money blogging, but not in any sort of like official or professional capacity. And I just realized that that was really what I wanted to do. So I thought a lot about it while I was on maternity leave. And then I, well, and around that time, I started publishing my own income reports on Root and Revel. Maybe in 2017, I started doing that. Because I felt like they were so inspirational to me when I first started that I really wanted to kind of pay it back and do the same thing. So that's when people really started asking more questions. And I saw that there was this big interest in it. So I shifted my focus and I launched the Six Figure Blog Academy for the first time in like late spring of 2019. And I launched it still under the Root and Revel brand. You know, I was kind of like debating whether I should or shouldn't, but at the time I'm like, well, I don't even know if this is going to work. I'm just kind of testing things out. I already have this audience, like, let's just go with this. And so I, I did that. And in some ways it worked fairly well because I, I mean, it was certainly simpler, But once I started running Facebook ads for the course, then I really got into trouble because my audience was mostly wellness seeking people. They were looking for health information and recipes and stuff, not blogging things. So I had a really tough time like narrowing my audiences and getting lookalikes and all that kind of stuff was ended up, I lost a lot of money. So around that time, I was like, well, I lost a bunch of money and I thought I should just quit. This is way too hard. And then I went to Amy Porterfield's conference that October and got like realized why things weren't working and decided that I did need to separate the brands and create two totally separate websites. So I took all of the like business related content off of Root and Revel, moved it to katecordsmeyer.com, relaunched the course over there. And then now have now everything's totally separate and it's much cleaner. I really appreciate you sharing that story because so many online business owners are like, I'm going to create a course. And you know, your first idea for your course was not what you ended up going with, but Mm -hmm. then, but then once you realized, okay, I need to create a course to help other people make money blogging. And you went with that idea the first time out, like you said, you tested with Facebook ads and um, you lost a bunch of money. You didn't give up on the course. You still believed in the course and that it could help people. I see so many people that will create a product 
and, you know, their first launch doesn't go as well as they think it should have gone, or, you know, they do spend money on ads and it doesn't, you know, it's not profitable. And so, but then they are just like, well, let me try this thing over here and create a new product. And so I think that's kind of a pattern I see as we're diving into your story is like, you've been very focused and you stay the path. Like, you know, you've got a great product here. It's just about finding the right way to get it in front of the right people. And so that, you know, so now what have you seen since breaking out the two brands? Yeah. Well, to your point, I mean, I think that's exactly right. Most of the time, what we're getting wrong or what's not working is the marketing strategy. It's not the course itself, or it's not the content, you know, it's like just figuring out the strategy for how to sell or how to get more eyes on either, even if it's just your blog, how to get more eyes on it. It's not that the content isn't good. It's just that you're lacking that strategy. So I'm glad you made that distinction. Cause I feel like it is. I mean, it's hard to be an entrepreneur. Like there's no doubt about it. And it's really, it's much easier to just give up. But I think if you really want it, it's so worth it to keep going and to just keep trying new things. And I try to just take this approach of like thinking of it just like an experiment, like let's just try something new and see what happens. And so, you know, I, I had some dark weeks when I lost, I lost $12,000 on Facebook ads and I've, you know, never been in debt like that before. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm such a failure. And just really decided ultimately like, no, I just need to try something different. And so I, I joined Amy Porterfield's digital course Academy and to learn the marketing strategy. So I skipped the first half and was like, I already have the course. I totally believe in the value of it. And I had already had like maybe 30 or 50 people in the course at that time. So I knew it was a good program and like people wanted it. I just didn't have the right marketing strategy. So I took DCA I learned Amy's live launch strategy. And then, so I went from a $12,000 failed launch in October to a $100,000 launch in January. And I think I only spent like $1,000 on Facebook ads because I was terrified. (laughs) So it was totally possible. I just needed a new strategy. But then what happened is, so I got pregnant again and I was due with my daughter in May of 2020. And I knew I couldn't live launch again. I also really, as like it was effective, but it was so exhausting. And I just knew that I couldn't do it while I was, you know, eight, nine months pregnant and I wanted to take a maternity leave. So I couldn't live launch again. So I'm like, I don't think I can live launch again until like September. And I couldn't wait that long. I couldn't wait from January to September to make money. So I started learning some evergreen funnel strategies and I turned on my evergreen funnel in April, right before I had my daughter. And it made like almost $20,000 that month right out the gate. So it's like, oh, well, this is, this is enticing. Let's see what, you know, what happens. I went on maternity leave And we ended up making more money with an evergreen funnel than we did with the live launch. And so even though I decided, I thought when I went on maternity leave, like after I'm back, I'll do another live launch. And now I'm like, why would I ever live launch again? Evergreen is so amazing. So I guess that wasn't really your question. You were asking something about the two separate brands, I think, but. Well, I think you did answer it. I I mean, so I asked what happened once you separated the, the two brands and you had, you know, after that first launch that you said failed, you lost the money. Then you figured out what needed tweaking. You had a six figure launch, then your second time out and congrats on that. And now you've got an evergreen funnel that sounds like it's working amazingly well, making more money than even the live launch and a lot less stress and energy required from you to keep that going. Yeah. It's still, sometimes I'm like afraid to even talk about it because it feels like, like it's too good to be true. Like, oh my gosh, I just make sales in the background every day. Like almost every day I wake up to a notification that we've sold a course and I'm not doing anything anymore. You know, like it was work to set up the funnel, but it's so, it's just on autopilot now. And we did, I ended up tweaking the funnel a bit around the start of Q4, or maybe it was the end of, yeah, the end of last year. I was like, okay, I think we could make this even better. Let's see. Cause we were making like around 10 to $20,000 a month from the evergreen funnel during that time. And I learned some new strategies and I tweaked it. And then we turned it all back on in January. And then we made $60,000 in that one month being on evergreen. Like we didn't live launch at all. And so now we're more in that kind of like 50 K months from evergreen. 
And so now, yeah, I'm fully like, I'll never live launch again because this is just so, there's so much more ease and flow and just, I can focus on other things in my business and just spend time with my family and rest and not be like, I'm constantly either planning the next launch or in the middle of another exhausting launch. I love it so much. Congratulations on all of that. Thank you. So I would love to dive into what does your funnel look like? And then I definitely want to get to the anti-hustle like ease. And because I know you're all about that too, building a business on your own terms and, you know, not having to be rush, 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 go, go, go all the time. So I definitely want to want to get your take on that. But what does your funnel look like? Did you take the live launch strategy and just put that into an evergreen? Or can you just kind of walk us through what that looks like? So when I first started doing the evergreen funnel, I, I think I overcomplicated it a bit. And this is what I simplified when I made some of the tweaks last year. So when I first started, what I had is I had a welcome series that everybody who joined my list for any reason would get put through our welcome series. And then in that welcome series, I invited them to watch a webinar and it was pre-recorded. You know, I did not pretend it was live. I'm not about like using those shady marketing tactics where you're like trying to trick people into buying and thinking things are one way. So I just, it was like, it's a pre-recorded webinar. It's on demand. You can watch it at any time. And I, I would invite them to the webinar. And then if they watched the webinar, then they would get put into our evergreen sales funnel where we would sell them, you know, we, it was like a seven day funnel and each day they would get an email. We would talk about the program, what, what it could do for them, the results it could get. And then at the end of seven days, and we've, we've experimented with a couple different ways, but at the end of seven days, it would go away and they can't buy the course until we open it up again. And, you know, at that time I was like, I don't know when I'm going to open it up again. Cause I was on maternity leave. So we're just kind of testing things. So that was how I did it for a while. And like I said, I mean, it worked and it was working well, but I felt like it was still kind of complicated and people would say, well, I, you know, I'm ready to buy. And it was like, okay, so do I tell them to just register for the webinar or do like, how do I get them into the funnel? So I felt like there could be a simpler way. And so at the end of last year, I basically combined my welcome series and my sales funnel into one series. And so the first few days, I'm not selling anything. I'm just providing value. I'm like connecting with them, sharing more about my own story and stuff. And I kind of start teasing that the cart is going to open at the end of, or that the cart's going to open in a couple of days. And then that everybody, no matter if they register for a webinar or not, everybody gets put through our seven day cart open window. And so we use, at the time we used a tool called deadline funnel to do this because you, you had to make sure, like, if you say the cart's closing in seven days, it really has to close. I'm not, I don't want them to go to the page and then be like, this didn't close. You were lying, but every single person has a different window. So if you joined my list on Monday and somebody else joined my list on Friday, your seven day window is different from their window. So this is how you kind of get like you have that authentic urgency and scarcity that is helpful and a marketing strategy, but you're, it's, it's truly authentic. It's, you know, genuine. And then you can be making sales every single day because everybody's in a different like part of the funnel. Love it. Okay. So now is that what it still looks like today? Or did you tweak it since then to kind yeah. of have that open close kind of address that? Yeah. So it, that's still what it looks like today. We, have added one extra thing to it, which is really cool. And this is something I learned from my friend, Jacques Hopkins. He has a podcast called the online course show. And he taught me this strategy called relaunch magic. And it's basically how you relaunch to your list without live launching, like using an evergreen funnel, but that way everyone on your list gets relaunched to every four months. So it's a little bit of a complicated strategy. And I actually had him come and teach a class on it in my incubator program so that other people who want to have evergreen funnels like this can learn it as well. But that way, yeah, it's because he asked me, I, I was actually on his podcast and he asked me, so at the end of your evergreen funnel, what happens if they don't buy? And I was like, 
nothing. I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it. Like, I guess they just, they never get launched to again. I never mention it to him again. And so obviously it was like, well, that's not effective. So he has this strategy and it's all automated. So it's, it's very hands-off, but it is a little complicated to set up. So I probably can't explain it in great detail here, but it's just basically that you, everybody gets relaunched to every four months, but it's different segments get different times. So if somebody finished my original evergreen funnel in January, for example, they'll get launched to again in May, but if somebody else finished it in February, they'll get launched to in June. So there's different, there's like four buckets basically. I love that. That is so smart. I actually know Jacques and I've been on his podcast as well. So I'm going to have to reach out to him and see if we can get him on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That'll be fun. Yes. I love Jacques. He's so smart. And I love that he's just like, he really simplifies things. And, you know, like I said, it is a little bit of a complicated setup, but ultimately it's like the, the concept is so simple of just like, oh, this is how you're able to launch multiple times without having to ever actually live launch. So what tools you mentioned deadline funnel. And so what other tools, like what's your email service provider, any like landing page builders or any of those kinds of tools that you're using for, for either your live launches or your funnels that you just love. Mm -hmm. So at the time when I first set it up, I was using deadline funnel and active campaign and I loved both of them, but there were a couple features that were lacking and I was looking to streamline because I also had my course was hosted in Kajabi. And then I had to use Sam cart for payment processing because I had an affiliate program for my course and I was having to use Zapier to connect a lot of things. I was using like so many different tools. And so I found Kartra and I switched everything over to Kartra last November. And now I only use that. I don't need deadline funnel. I don't need Zapier. I don't need, that's where I do my emails. It's where I do my payment processing. It's where I do my landing pages. Like everything is in one place and it's, I love it so much. Very cool. Okay. Thank you for that. So now I know that you have been an entrepreneur this entire time of having kids and taking maternity leave. And I read on your site, you've taken two four month maternity leaves while being an entrepreneur, building your businesses. And so I know that you are anti-hustle, as I said, what is your kind of philosophy around that? How do you approach that, especially like with your students who are trying to get things off the ground? What does that look like in your world? And how do you, how do you support your students and followers in that? Yeah. So I think with most of my students are in my six figure blog Academy course or a 21 days to impact, which is for brand newbies who just need help getting their blog set up in the first place. And I think my my overall philosophy is you really have to focus on just a few specific things that are really going to move the needle and let go of the rest. When I was trying to do everything and be on social media all the time and it was just so overwhelming and nothing was really working. And when I was like, I need a focus strategy. And so I'm, I'm going to focus on SEO, affiliate marketing, and my email list and that's when everything, you know, really started changing and having that snowball effect. And so that's mostly how I teach kind of not having to hustle so much inside of those courses. But I also have this other program called the incubator. And that's where I've really kind of combined my experience in terms of, okay, I know how to grow your traffic and leads organically with content marketing, like a blog or a podcast or something. That way you don't have to be on social media all the time. And then with those leads that you get organically, you can build a steady stream of passive income with evergreen funnels. So I've kind of combined this evergreen funnels concept with blogging. So I have like this six phase framework and the other phases are really about how to create a hands-off business. So there's a lot of support in terms of systems and time and energy management and delegation and things like that. Because I feel like at the end of the day, if you can't focus on your well-being, if, like if you can't take care of yourself and your family, then no amount of success is really worth that. And so creating these more hands-off systems like evergreen funnels is the way I think that you actually get back that time to take care of you. That is so great. And yeah, I mean, many of us become entrepreneurs because we want to have that freedom and choice over our time and how we're spending that time. Many of us have young families 
and we want to spend our time with them and have that balance, uh, you know, uh, that we don't necessarily get from a nine to five plus job. Right. And so I really, I really love that approach. I'm curious what your team looks like with Root and Revel and with KateCordsmeyer.com. What does your team look like? And what does that balance of duties look like? Mm, okay. So my team is kind of changing all the time. We're always trying new things and hiring new people and, you know, changing up how we do things. So today I have two full-time employees and then I have probably, I don't know, 10 contractors and some of them, you know, do a lot and are more like part-timers. And some of them just do like one thing for us. Like we have a podcast producer and that's all they do is edit the podcast. So I really, I started with just a VA, you know, five to 10 hours a week when I only had Root and Revel. And then that grew, that grew into a full-time position. And then once you get the support and you're able to start delegating and handing things off and opening up more white space on your own calendar, you're like, this is amazing. I'm going to hire all the people. So I've gone on some hiring frenzies at times. And I mean, it is, it's really hard to find good people who really get it and are aligned with your own values. And I think it's this, this balance of finding people who are really driven and ambitious and resourceful, but also aren't going to burn themselves out and are aligned with more of that restful flowy way that I like to work. So it's always changing, I guess, is my answer. (laughs) So uh, what is the restful flowy way? What does that mean for you? Like, what does your schedule look like? So I am a big fan of batching stuff. And so I do that in a several, several ways. Like we were just saying before we hit record that this was my fourth podcast interview today. And like, I just booked all of them on one day so I could knock them out and then I have some more white space the other days. But generally what I do is Mondays are my admin days and I'm just, we have our team meeting. I'm, you know, going through my inbox. I'm kind of taking care of some of those more admin details and to-do list type items. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays are my call days. So I'm meeting with other entrepreneurs. I have my own podcast. So I'm doing podcast interviews. I mean, but even that I batch to the point of, so I only record twice a month and I pick the days that I record based on where the, when the full moon is, because that's when I found that I am most engaged and warm and energized. And it's the best time for me to be visible. So I very much pay attention to energy management, looking at things like my, the phases of the moon, my menstrual cycle, some things like that. Wednesdays, I have no call days. It's like, nobody bother me today. This is my head down focused work time where I can really do things that move the business forward. And then Fridays I take off. So I only work four days and I take off every Friday and it's amazing. And then I do a lot of just like throughout the day, I really try to incorporate, you know, joyful movement and mindfulness and some things that are really getting me in touch with like my spiritual side and taking care of me, spending time with, you know, people that I love, my kids, my family, my friends. And then I'll do things like next week, actually, like well, tomorrow's Friday. So I'll have Friday off and then I'm taking a staycation next week and I'm just not working all week to just breathe and take care of myself a little bit, get caught up on some of those like admin things at the house that pile up. And you're like, Oh, I gotta, I need to go to the dentist and I have some errands to run and things like that. And so I just am taking a week off and just delegating and relying on my team and our automated systems to run the business in my absence. I love it so much. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So great. So great. I'm just imagining you. And and it seems like you're always like, you know, you're doing what's best for you, but also doing what you know is best for the business as well. Because as the CEO of your business, of your businesses, you need to be in the right place to show up when it's work time, you got to be ready to go when, but you need to give yourself that downtime too. And it sounds like you have a really great balance of what that looks like for you. I try and I, you know, I'm a type three on the Enneagram. I'm a chronic workaholic and overachiever. So it is, it's really hard. Like I have to force myself not to work on Fridays. And it's so easy to be like, well, just do this one little thing. Like, oh, well, it wouldn't hurt if I just checked in about this. So I really, it's not like it comes hundred percent naturally to me, but I just know it's better for everybody when I do that. Wonderful. 
Oh my gosh. This has been such a great interview. We've covered so many things. I feel like I we know. could dive down and talk about the energy and the moon faces and all of that. That could be a whole separate episode. Oh yeah. But you, I mean, I've learned so much. This has been so fantastic. I know that our listeners are going to love it. So I would love for you to share, you know, where could people go to learn more about you, your business, businesses. And I know before we hit record, you said that you had a couple free offers too, that I'd love for you to share. Yeah. Okay. So my podcast is called Success with Soul. So wherever you're listening to this one, you can go check that out afterwards. The incubator that I was just talking about, I would love to invite you to apply and learn more. So you can do that at katecordsmeyer.com forward slash apply. And then the free gift I wanted to share with everybody is my 99 step roadmap to profitable blogging. So if you go to katecordsmeyer.com forward slash Monica, then you can download that free roadmap. Perfect. And we'll put all of that in the show notes, but definitely check out her podcast. I've been a guest. We'll put a link to that episode too. And we'll link to, you said Jacques was on your podcast as well. Yes. Yes. It was such a good episode. We geek out about funnels. So it's good. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. We will link to that as well. Thank you so much, Kay. This has been so fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of it with us. Really appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Me too. It was so fun. Thank you. I Absolutely loved that interview with Kate. I just love her approach to simplifying things and focusing on what's really going to move the needle in your business. And the idea around creating a hands-off business that brings in predictable revenue every single month. I am all about that. So thank you so much to Kate Kordsmeyer for bringing all her wisdom and sharing her journey with us. I learned so much. I took pages of notes and I hope you did too. And I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from this interview with Kate. We absolutely covered so many things. I'd really love to hear your favorite parts of the interview. Go to monicalouie.com slash 102 and you can share those in the comments with us. Or you can tag Kate and me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and she is at katecordsmeyer.com. And all the links and resources that Kate shared in the interview will be found in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 102. And I want to thank you so much for joining Kate and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ads starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, we'll have all the links and resources that were mentioned in today's episode in the show notes. And you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 102. And be sure to follow the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another incredible episode heading your way. That is all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish.